0: you're listening to Church of Hope's podcast. Thanks for joining us. We hope today's teaching encourages and inspires you. Check out hopeinocala.com for more resources on this journey called life. Here's today's teaching. Do you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be. Do you remember who you were inside, what you thought you felt about you before the world told you who you should be? The legendary Houdini was known as the world's great escape artist, and he would go from town to town, and challenge the local sheriff. Lock me up in your best prison cell, and I'll escape quickly. Well, word had traveled to this one small town in Missouri, and this sheriff invited the great Houdini to come to his town and challenged him that you would never escape from my prison cell. So, of course, Houdini and all his past successes and his own ego took on the challenge and traveled to that city and was locked up by that sheriff behind that prison door. Houdini quickly escaped from his shackles around his hands, and as he began to work on the prison door that would open up to his freedom, he began to struggle. No matter what he would do, he just wasn't able open up the lock and escape to freedom. He finally relented and admitted to the sheriff, I'm unable to escape. To which the sheriff smiled and explained to Houdini that the prison door was never locked. The sheriff purposely kept it unlocked and every single time Houdini tried to unlock it. He was actually locking himself in. And I wonder how many of us, because of the messaging from the culture telling us who we're supposed to be, shaming us, canceling us, how many of us trying to escape to become who we really hope and want to be have actually locked us locked ourselves in to a life that otherwise we never would have wanted. Tomorrow is Halloween. Maybe you know this. It is the second most celebrated holiday in the United States. 70% of all Americans will participate in Halloween. I, I, I wonder maybe perhaps possibly, potentially, even us as adults, the reason Halloween is a part of our schedule is because it's that one day where we get to pretend to be somebody other than who we really are. There's a lot of chaos in our culture. I don't have to explain that to you. I stood on this stage a week ago and said out loud, there's a lot of chaos in the culture. And here we are one week later, and you've seen... A whole other level of chaos in the culture in which we live. We know that. The question that's in play this morning, is it possible for you and me to be calm in a culture of chaos? Right? we can't control all the cray-cray that's happening around us. But you and I can be large and in charge in what's happening inside Of us. That's why in Ephesians 1 and 18, my prayer for this whole Bible study is that our eyes, your eyes, my eyes, our heart eyes may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He, God, has called you, His riches and glorious inheritance of His holy people. If you got your Bible, join me. Daniel chapter 1. We started our study a couple weeks ago and Kind of the big idea is this. When you know who you are, what happens around you has no authority over you. This is really important. When you, when you begin to know, my, my, my hope and prayer is in a few moments when we all say goodbye to each other and we go on to our everyday life, when you begin to know who you are, then the cray-cray, the chaos, everything that's happening around us, you will know it has no authority over you. Maybe you're familiar with the story of Daniel, maybe not so much. Uh, Daniel is a young man. He's quite successful. He's, in our language, he has scored high on his SAT scores. He's been accepted into the best schools of the schools. His parents are very proud of him. Things are looking up, except for in Babylon, there's a king, and he decides he's going to invade Judah, he's going to invade Israel, and he is going to steal all the precious assets, all the resources in that country, including the brightest of the brightest of their children. It's human trafficking at a whole other level. And they take these boys out of their homeland, away from their families, destroy their dreams, and the Bible even says they became eunuchs, which means they were castrated. You talk about living in a culture of chaos. And the first thing that the Babylonians do is give Daniel and his three buddies new names. In other words, they attempt to change their identity. Here, notice in your Bible what it says in Daniel chapter 1. The chief official... Gave them new names. Going to flip the script on their identity. They can't risk Daniel and his friends remaining in the mindset, the attitude of the identity of being Hebrew boys, of being followers of the true living God. They need to reclassify them, re-identify them. They need change them. So the first thing they do is they give them new names. Look what it says in verse 7. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Now maybe you're familiar with the original names, maybe not so much. But I find interesting how they flipped the script. The name Daniel means God is my judge. God is my authority. God is over me. He's large and in charge. What God says, I will go and do what God says. And they change his name to Belshazzar, which means lady, protect the king. The idea of confusion in the culture when it comes to identity Gender identity isn't something new in 2022. It was happening 3,000 years ago. And I realize in our culture today, there's real confusion, there's debates, people get upset and they get angry about the idea that in our culture today, at least I'm told in my research, that now there are 40 different gender identities. I come from a perspective that there are two gender identities. There is a man and then there is a woman, but now there are 38 other gender identities between what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. But I'm not surprised by that. I'm not upset by that. I'm not challenged by that. Because someone says it's true or someone says I feel or think it's true, doesn't mean that it's true because people in the culture are confused isn't surprising to me. Can I tell you what is surprising to me? The way men and women who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ respond to people in the culture that are confusing. The way that we ridicule them and we, we, we speak evil against them. And just so we can be clear I'm not some woke pastor. I'm not trying to get in with the culture. What I am trying to do is be really clear. In a culture of chaos, God has provided a way for you and me, us, those who claim to be Christ followers, to be at calm in the middle of it. So how do you respond, right? When you see the news or you go to a school board meeting or you hear what's being taught to children and inside your blood begins to boil because you in your mind say, this just isn't right. I'm glad you've asked that question and I want to help us all out because God's got something to say. In Titus chapter three, it'll be in your weekend recap, but notice the Bible on the screen. Remind the believers. Are you a believer? I don't know. Only you know. Are you a believer? I'm a believer. What does that mean? I believe that Jesus Christ is God's son. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he died on a cross for my sins. I believe that I have hope eternal because Jesus, who was alive, died, and three days later became alive again. I believe the party of all parties is in front of me in a real place called heaven one day. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. So the Bible says, remind the believers, to submit to the government and its officers. Don't you wish that wasn't in the Bible? (laughs) They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. I I wonder how many of us, because we were born in America. Maybe it's been subtle, maybe it's your subconscious, but I wonder how many of us have elevated the Constitution of the United States, that supreme document, the Constitution above the Word of God. I wonder how many of us claim our ultimate citizenship is as Americans, rather as Christ followers. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. This is not a suggestion. This is God's word to us. So when we see things in the culture that aggravate us, it's not God hasn't called us to demean people, to try to change people. He's asked us to be reminded that we too once were really confused until Jesus Christ came into our life. Here, look, look what it says. Verse 3. Once we, too, were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Next time somebody's behavior gets your blood boiling, go back to God's Word and remind yourself, Once you, me, we were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us not because of any righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generally poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So I I, I know culture's crazy. It shouldn't surprise us, but as Christ followers, we get to step out in culture every day and live so satisfied in Christ, we make the world better and brighter. Changing these boys' names, they're flipping the identity. To Hananiah, Yahweh has been gracious. In other words, God is is good, and he's he's gracious, and I'm grateful. Notice Shadrach, I am fearful of God. They're flipping the script. They're changing the identity. Mishael, who is what God is? In other words, there is no one like my God. Mishak, I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Azariah, Yahweh has helped. If it wasn't for God who is my deliverer, the song we sang this morning, he is my deliverer, Abednego, servant of Nebo. In other words, I turn my back on the God of the Bible, and now I'll follow the God of Babylon. I find it an indictment on the history of, of our Sunday schools, that most of us in this gathering, you know the names of the Hebrew boys from their evil Babylonian identity, and we don't know the names of their Hebrew God-centered identity. I'm telling you, that the pressure is on. It's for real. And just because someone says it, it doesn't mean that it's true. Just because I feel it, because I think it doesn't mean it's true. Culture will try to rename you. Culture will try to shame you. Culture will try to to cancel you and I out. But when you know who you are, when your kids and your grandkids, when I know who I am, then what happens around me has no authority over me. When you know who you are, the craziness that might happen at school doesn't matter because the authority of God is over you. So, I'm going to give you a couple things to know, a couple things to do, and we'll be on our way. You ready? Here's the first thing I just want you to know this. Number 1 is this. Daniel knew this. I want us to know this. Your identity is rooted in God. Who you are. Your identity All the titles and terms that we give ourselves, everything that's being said about us today, at the core, at the depth, if you and I are gonna be at calm in a culture of chaos, you've got to know that your identity is rooted in God. Genesis 1 and 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, I realize I'm coming from a place of faith. I believe this to be true, but I realize maybe someone in this gathering, someone watching online, that's not your perspective. You have an alternative. But if we're not created in God, and we're just one of 5,500 mammals that are out there, then, then help me understand why this past week a man in San Francisco in his underwear broke into a person's house, beat that person with a hammer, and then was arrested and charged. And it's been in the news for the last three days. Why a lion in his underwear snuck into an antelope's den and ate one of those baby antelopes, why wasn't that lion arrested? and charged. They're both mammals. What's different about this humanity? Why in every other place on this green planet, mammals have behavior that isn't arrested, isn't held accountable, but we as human beings... There's a different standard. Who established that standard? Who said that it's wrong for one human to murder another human being? One person rape another person, except for coming to a place where there's a God and God created you. Now, I get it, I get it. Listen, 100 years ago, the country in which we live had a big debate. Would we continue educating our children that God is a creator, or is there a more sophisticated scientific thought that instead of God who always existed created mankind, that somehow there was nothing in the galaxy, all of a sudden on one random day there was matter. We don't know where the matter came from, but there was matter. It exploded. And from that explosion, the complexity of your DNA and my DNA, all of a sudden, starting with a piece of bacteria, then becoming kind of a tadpole, then sprouting a bigger tail, then crawling, then standing and walking, now becoming you. I was reading this week and some research, and I came across a very interesting article from the Huffington Post. A scientist began to wonder about creation. And he asked a very pointed question. He said this. He's not coming from a Christian perspective. He he said this, are you wasting your miracle called you? Are you wasting the miracle called you? And he began to do data and research from, you know, your lineage and And your grandparents and great grandparents and before them and before them in another continent and he began to put scientific arithmetic to it and he wanted to see what are the chances that you became you like you're 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 sitting right there you're looking at me right how did you become you and how did you become you and you you and online how did you how did you become you sir why do you like painting and other people hate painting how does that happen and notice And I'm gonna put the entire article in the Huffington Post in the weekend recap for you. But notice the summary. So what's the probability of you being born? It's the probability of 2.5 million people, the population of San Diego getting together. So we got this big gathering, right? Twice as many people who are in Manhattan to watch the ball drop on New Year's Eve. 2.5 million peeps, right? They begin to play a game of dice with trillion-sided dice. That's one big piece of dice, right? But stick with it. They each roll the dice, and they all come up with the same exact number. Say, 550 billion, 343 million, 279,001. That's the likelihood that you became you. So I ask you, are you wasting the miracle called you? Did you wake up this morning and you looked in the mirror and said, whoa, the miracle is awake? (laughs) Did you get on your social media and say, hey, everybody, the miracle is up and ready to post? Do you step out into your everyday Monday and you show up at the workplace and say, everybody, good morning, the miracle is here but you are. This one, because it's rooted in God. Ephesians 1 and 4, even before he, God, made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Hey, God's not mad at you. God's madly in love with you. I apologize for every angry preacher and every in-law and whoever said whatever it said because you act and look and smell and behave in a certain way god's not turned off by your behavior god loves you he created you he designed you he loves you with an everlasting love he loves you so much he bankrupt heaven he sent his son jesus to die on a cross So all of your sins, my sins, our sins could be forgiven. He's adopted you into his family. I'm telling you, your identity is rooted in God. Daniel knew this. So when all the craziness in the culture began to take place, he was able to be at calm. Because when you know who you are, what happens around you has no authority over you. And then when you know who you are, Your purpose, all the things that you're going to do in life, it comes into action. See, your purpose is your identity in action. Back to the story of Daniel. Look at verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, hey, hey. I'm really afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servant in accordance with what you see. So he agreed and to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. It's his purpose. His identity is rooted in God. His whole life has been turned upside down the culture. He is subject to human trafficking. He's been abused. He's been castrated. He didn't cross his arms. He's not mad. He says, I understand my identity is rooted in God. So now I can pivot and my purpose will be my identity in action. When you know who you are, Then what's happening around you all the craziness that you see in the news everything that you think that's unjust it has no authority over you the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 10 we you us you you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works I know listen the culture It's going to try to re-identify you. The culture is going to tell you what's wrong with you, how you look, how you act, how you behave. But when you know who you are, then the culture, the chaotic culture, the culture that lives in opposition to God, it has no authority over you. So what do we do with this? You want to believe that your identity is rooted in God. You want to step out and and live this week a purpose-filled life. The question is, how do we do it? If you got your number two pencil, I just want to give a couple suggestions. These have been a big help to me along the way. How can you and I be calm in a culture of chaos? When you see the news, when things happen to you at work, when it seems unjust, unfair, How do you and I, how do you and I stay at calm? And perhaps to kind of kick this off of really understanding how we can be calm in a culture of chaos, this video clip that seemed to connect with millions upon millions across language barriers, across cultural barriers, it connected with people because I think there's something special in it. (laughs) Don't you wish you had someone like that in your life? When others are saying things about you, when things have gone against you, and you just feel like the chaos is just drowning you. To have somebody, could you imagine with me sitting in the lap of God this morning? And instead of the words from the movie Help, hear the words of God You is created, you is loved, you is favored. You is created, you is loved. You is favored. When things get turned crazy tomorrow at work, and you're kind of wondering when something comes against you, if you would just pause and let God hold you and remind you, you is created. You is loved. You is favored. I know they might say this about me. They might try to change my identity, but I have been created wonderfully and fearfully in the image of Almighty God. I am loved. Let me tell you, God so loved me that he took his one and only son and crushed him on a cross. I'm so loved, God saw me in the orphanage of sin and he adopted me into his family and favored. I am favored by God. The spirit of God lives in me. He's with me. He's for me. He's around me. You is created. You is loved. You is favored you got to take that jingle, and you got to get it stuck up in your brain. You is created. You is loved. You is favored by God. And I don't know where you might be on the dusty trail called life. Online, in this space, if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, today can be your day. Right where you're sitting, online, just, hey, God, it's me. Today, I want you in my life. You created me, you loved me so much you sent your son Jesus to die. Forgive me, I've I've sinned, I know it. I've been trying to please everybody else. And Jesus, you came back from the dead, help me to come back in life, favor me. And that prayer that's being prayed in this room and online, welcome to God's family. We wanna help you continue to grow you can stop by the front desk in the lobby. There's a card under your chair, the house party card, or just text uh, this number, and, and we'll help you continue to grow so that you know that you is created, you is loved, and you is favored. Okay, can I give you a second thing? And, and, and listen, will you promise we'll still be friends after I tell you what I'm about to tell you? You really promise? Can I stay on your Christmas card list? You promise? Oh, pinky. Okay. And what I'm about to tell you, I want you to know, nobody, nobody does this better than me. As a pastor for my Bible college, for my seminary and my doctoral studies, and then 30 plus years of being a pastor, I have specialized. And I am a recoverer in this space. Are you ready to write it down? You promise we're going to still be friends too? Okay. Okay. Friends, okay, you ready? All you social media people, we're going to still be friends? I'm not going to be on your Twitter feed. Still friends? Okay. Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop it. Stop it, stop it, stop it. I know what I'm talking about. Us pastors, we specialize in comparing. How many people did you have in your church last week? Oh, oh. How many buildings do you have? What's your baptism? How many people were baptized last week? Oh, a, oh my goodness. I, I mean, I'm just, oh. And listen, I'm, don't, <laughs> I'm just checking out what's happening in their church for research. <laughs> You're just checking out her outfits online for, to kind of see how that would look on you. Their marriage. <laughs> Stop it crushing you. And by the ways, the real fake news in the world, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you understand. You know what we do. We only post the side we want people to see. You ain't posted the other side. There's an interesting book. You can buy it on Amazon it's called The Five Regrets of the Dying. I realize most of you are not going to give this to your loved one at Christmas. That might be a difficult conversation. But notice the number one regret of the dying. I live in this space. Every year, I get a phone call multiple times a month. From someone in your family who's taking their last breath. Mark, will you officiate a celebration of life? I come to the hospice house, and we talk, and the number one regret, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. I'm 57, and I really regret not learning this no one told me in Bible college, no one told me in seminary, no one told me on graduate work, that becoming a pastor, you were signing on to have thousands and thousands of bosses. And no matter what I did, right, percentage-wise, not wearing the right kind of clothes, he's not using the right kind of Bible version, he doesn't listen to the right kind of music, the music too loud, music too soft, all the kinds of different things. And... For the vast majority of my life, starting when I was a boy, trying to gain the favor of my dad, which never happened, then trying to have the, the favor of being an athlete, but at five foot seven, no colleges were really interested. So then I know, I know I'll have the identity of a Marine. I'll become a United States Marine. I'm trying to find all this identity by, by, by trying to please somebody else and never really being me. Then I go off to this Christian camp on Kelly's Island in Ohio, and they say, hey, we think you'd be a cool youth pastor. So I sign in as a youth pastor, and I get pushed right back in this mold of trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be and never really having the conversation with God. And I just want you to, I just, I, my hope and my prayer, right? I said earlier that the eyes of your heart would be opened. At 57, it feels so good being free knowing that my identity, I'm just teaching you what I'm learning, that my identity is rooted in God. That the purpose of my life is my identity in action and I don't wanna get somewhere, whatever age that is, when I take my last breath and look into my wife's eyes, my daughter's eyes, my friend's eyes and say, man, I sure wish, I sure wish I wouldn't have spent all that time trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be. Stop comparing yourself to others. Then start, stop, you're right, if you're gonna stop one thing, you gotta have something to start. So stop being what everybody else wants you to be and start becoming you. Start becoming who God created you to be. There's a resource, there's a few copies left out at the front desk, Or the QR code, you can order it here. Um, If you think it's crazy, if you think there's pressure of having a thousand bosses as a pastor, be a pastor's kid. So I know the author of this book, and I saw up close and personal her struggle and all the different opinions on who she should be and what she should do. And even today, right, her rolling her calling as as a pastor. There are many people, right? Forgive me for being bold. If she had testicles, people would say, oh, great. You've got someone who will follow you in the ministry. But because she has ovaries and not testicles, somehow her calling and her anointing by God isn't the same. She is wrestling through that. This book, Becoming Me, I'm telling you, I've I, I, I done tore mine up uh, because I want to be me. You are a human being. Too many of us live our entire lives as a human doing. This book will help you. Become who God created you to be. I think we should flip the script. So many people through this past pandemic and other issues in life are afraid to die. You know what I believe, Dom, is we should be more afraid that we never lived. Got to live. Got to wake up every day and live. And here's the last thing I'll give to you. Ask and empower somebody to come into your life and to remind you who you are. You need somebody. We learn this in the recovery ministry. In the recovery ministry, they bring people in. Is it not true? To remind you who you are. I don't care what someone says about you. I say that God is for you. So stand to your feet. And let's use this song as an anthem, as a declaration of how great our God is. That he loves you and that he is for you. And our purpose and our identity is rooted in him.